Good morning. This morning, uh, we are looking at uh, Matthew chapter 12, of course, I'm sure, verse 38, the sign of Jonah. And of course, I want you to, as I go through these scriptures, I want you to see the Lord's concern for the scribes and Pharisees. Because it seems like they're, these, these men were constantly after him. And of course, as you know, we ourselves, as we have our personal experiences with God, have also noticed that, 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 that there's persecution, there's harassment. And of course, I haven't said anything to deserve that, except reading scriptures, but also, in a way, I have been very upfront with what the Lord does in your life when you live the life in the Spirit of God, led by the Holy Spirit. And of course, just that itself creates a chaos, creates a resistance, creates a, a negative return. Now, I'm not saying that uh, you, 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 you can't come to a point to where you don't offend anybody, you don't hurt anybody, you don't say anything that is offensive or anything that is uh, 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 derogatory or anything that seems to be very strong for, the, for them to take it instead, instead of milk, just a nice big piece of steak that produces that type of response. And so let's take a look. Let's look at this, if this is true or not. Uh, does the intent of the word itself creates a negative response? Now, is something of the Holy Spirit to create the negative response? And so, here's Jesus and here the scribes and Pharisees. And I want you to look and see the conversation from a third point of view. Okay? Now, Jesus just talked about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It's a sin that cannot be forgiven. He talked about good and corrupt fruit. And then he, they asked for a sign. And uh, the church scribes and in in, 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 in the Pharisees answered, Master, we would see a sign from you. And of course, you know, it's very, very negative because there were signs everywhere. A thousand, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people were totally healed by the hand of God. When you go into the, the Scripture, and, and, uh, and of course uh, Matthew twelve thirteen, it simply says, And charged them that they should not make him known. And it says, When Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, a great multitude followed him, and he healed them all. That's a sign. So now the, the scribes and Pharisees are asking for more signs. Now, I want you to see the struggle. Because we that live the 21st century, we minister the gospel uh, uh, to a point to where it feels good. 
it really feels, but as the presence of God increases, there will be resistance. And if you are the type of people that do not want to see resistance, then you, 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 you match the gifts that were given to the Pharisees and scribes. I hate to say this to you, but when God moves, He stirs. Okay. And of course, the negative then begins to be observed in the life of resistance. Not on the side of those who receive the word, because many people receive the word. He's referring to the scribes and Pharisees that were the minority. There were maybe 10, 15 uh, scribes and Pharisees and and 2,000 people being healed. And so as a preacher of the gospel, as someone that has followed the Lord for 50 some years, as someone that's been involved, is there a time in the life of the church to where you rattle things? So let's take a look. He answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. He just called them evil and adulterous. <laughs> that, that creates a little unrest, don't you think? <laughs> in other words, hello, I am the Pharisees. I am, I am the scribes. We go together everywhere you go, Lord Jesus. And you just call evil and adulterous. So that, that's, that's the beginning. So we learn first that Jesus responds to what the Holy Spirit leads. I don't think that this is flesh now, because there's no flesh in Jesus. He's pure. He's holy. No sin. Okay. Adulterers spoke of Israel's spiritual unfaithfulness. They were committing spiritual adultery, which means that they were worshiping something other than God. Had they been worshiping God, they would have accepted Christ. But the argument begins. And so, listen to this. Jesus did not sit back and, 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 and was quiet. He did not move toward the mountains and away from, from these, these, uh, these spiritual leaders. He confronted them. Now, you know, uh, that's an interesting thing that Jesus does. And, and, and in my opinion, and I could be wrong, I'm not saying I'm right on this, that is part of introducing the kingdom of God into the unbeliever. You can, you can pull back and sort of um, give them a little sugar to sort of relax, but not, not with Jesus. So, so we learned something here. And so it says, And there shall be no signs be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. So Jesus goes back in the minor prophet, brings the minor prophet into the table of discussion, and he begins to talk about it. He's speaking about resurrection, death and resurrection. The sign of Jonah is a sign of death and resurrection. For as Jonah, this is Jesus, I'm quoting the book of Jonah. So as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall be the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So what Jesus is saying here, it confirms the story of Jonathan on the book of Jonathan, the minor prophet, being swallowed by a whale. If you think that somehow 
uh, something that is sort of a allegory or just a, a little a little uh, more of a little uh, easy way to approach the Jonah experience. <laughs> uh, you're wrong. Jesus quoted exactly as he remember and saw it and perhaps was a part was it. He the one who did this in the heart of Jonah. So here here we go. Christ would be dead three days and three nights. He would be in paradise and would preach to the spirits in prison who were fallen angels. That's in Luke twenty three forty five forty three. The uh, the apostle Luke says, and Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Today you shall be with me in paradise at the cross. So Jesus transforms death of the man next door to him at Calvary into life. Meaning that just as it happened to that man in, 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 in the midst of the, the Lord's crucifixion, it will happen to Jesus as he rises from the dead, ascends into heaven. Let's take a look at First Peter three nineteen and twenty. It's another verse that simply says, "By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison." And so, the sign that the scribes and Pharisees needed to know wasn't about the miracles, but a sign that the prophet Jonah prophesied and lived it in his personal life. Verse 41, The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. Well, you're talking about Nineveh where there were um, there unbelievers there. And, and God just sent Jonah to Nineveh, but he took the other way around and disappeared to the opposite direction. And now... After being obedient to God, he went to Nineveh out of Joppa. We visited Joppa this last mission trip. It was out of that bay that the ship went all the way uh, to Nineveh. And, and the prophet Jonah preached the word of God for three days. And, 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 of course, God brought healing. And they repented of their sins. A large metropolis city. Large. And all of them repented. And it says, the men of Nineveh shall rise in condemning this with this generation. What, what he's talking about? The people of God that were faithful in Nineveh and repented of their sins will judge the scribes and Pharisees that were right around Jesus. Jesus proclaims here the Gentiles. The Gentiles, he says, the Gentiles of Nineveh as far more righteous than the Pharisees themselves. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. Now, I love this scripture. I love this scripture because you see, there's a part of authority of those people that preach the gospel that has to be exercised. I say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be healed. Be delivered. Be cleansed. Lift your hands and confess with me. In other words, we seem to back off and not, not really be as bold, as, as righteous, as powerful as the Lord is in these situations. I'm just saying to you, 
I'm not saying that you have to preach every single sermon that deals with uh, unrest of the Pharisees, but you have to squeeze them now and then. You're going to have to come forward and kick, kick, kick the dust out of their clothing. Okay. Now, verse 42, it's another sign. <laughs> uh, Beersheba, look, the queen of the south, queen of Sheba, another Gentile, shall rise up in judgment against with this generation. All right? Shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Twice Jesus says, I'm here. I'm greater than the queen of Sheba. I'm, I'm greater than, than the men of Nineveh and Jonah. I'm here to talk to you. I'm here to come to you and say who I am. And you continue to resist. You see, it seems to me like the Pharisee spirit, it's a spirit that resists revelation, resists the voice of God, resists the presence of God. It is, it is the, the Pharisee spirit is an unbelieving spirit, not just for one personal thing, but to anything that has to do with the revelation of God about the kingdom of God. And if we hear them and we follow them, we're going to be like them. There's so many. There are wonderful preachers. Wonderful preachers. I went into a funeral in Washington, Georgia, and the speaker was overwhelmingly gifted. But after he finished, all that I felt and I saw was another Pharisee with a silver tongue. You see, Jonah spoke, and the people in Nineveh repented. The Queen of Sheba flew and drove and partook of, of a ship for miles and miles and miles to come to converse with Solomon. The Queen of the South shall rise in judgment against this generation. This woman marks the highest stage of inquiry in faith. Inasmuch as she traveled a great distance to hear the wisdom of Solomon. By contrast, Jesus came directly to Israel. But still they wouldn't receive him. Even though he was far greater than Solomon, far greater than Sheba in power and wisdom. What an indictment. What a statement. You see... In the beginning of this Bible study this morning, I shared with you, is the preacher of the Word, when coming to a point of identifying the Pharisee, should he do it from the podium or do it privately? Or should he do it not at all? We have this idea that uh, leave it alone. But at times when you meet Jesus and he is harassed by these men constantly, Jesus confronts him. And so there is an element of confrontation by the Holy Spirit of God to the leader of the church. It's his responsibility to confront. Not all the time. I'm not saying that you just trample everybody every single time you open your mouth. I'm saying that there's a time when the spirit of Pharisees need to be judged in the name of Jesus. All right. 
Now, verse 43 is a continuation of this argument. So, what we learned from verses 38 uh, to 42, that there is confrontation by the Lord as to the pharisaical spirit of unbelief present with Him, enticing Him, accusing Him every single day of the week. Now, I love that. I love that. I don't know how to do it myself. (coughs) I don't know how to approach it myself. But it reminds me that I'm not supposed to be silent when I'm supposed to be speaking. And by the way, one of the things, the prophetic move of the Holy Spirit in your life is so precious, is that when you give to the Lord your, your mouth, for Him to fill it, Psalm 81.10. It is as if He uses it. I have many instances in my life to where my mouth spoke and I have no control of it. And it was public. It was open. Now the person who received that statement that I said can be blessed and move forward into another spiritual life that they never experienced before. Or they can ignore it and call me crazy. You see, that... That, that can be very much the, the, the response. And I don't mind. I don't mind. Because when the Lord does speak, I am obedient and I will not retrieve it. No, sir. I will not retrieve it. I will not attempt to retrieve it. I will not think about retrieving. I will not smell it to receive it. I'm going to stay with it. <laughs> okay, now... Let's move on to the next part of this Bible study. It's verse 43. Because you see, there's a continuity in this argument, okay? There's a continuity. Okay. Give me a sign, Master. Well, here's a sign. Pow, 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 pow. Now, look at verse 43. He began to say this. When the unclean spirit (laughs) is gone out of a man... Now, let me ask you this. Could this be still an argument with the scribes and Pharisees? Could be Jesus simply telling, <laughs> I've been talking to a demon here. Let's take a look. Let's take a look. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, regarding Israel, per se, unclean spirits would re- retreat before Christ. The unclean spirit walks through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Is this statement, verse 43, have anything to do with the idea of a sign and the argument with the scribes and Pharisees? I don't know. I, I, I can't say it. I'm not too sure. But I tell you, it fits. Walks through dry places, seeking rest and finds none. These spirits of darkness were not actually cast out of Israel, but only retreated before Christ because He was the stronger man. Then He, the unclean spirit, says, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when He, the evil spirit, is come, He finds Israel empty and void, swept and garnished. And so, and so, 
if it is a direct commentary about how the unclean spirits operate after discussing with the Pharisees, there the Pharisees were writing from it. Verse 43 is a continuation of verses, uh, of verses uh, uh, 38 to 42. I don't think they're separate. So Jesus is now in argument with the scribes, but He is now speaking to Israel as a whole. Notice the move now. Notice the subtlety of how the Lord approached these men. Then He, the unclean spirit, says, I will return into my house from whence I came out, and when He is come, He finds it empty, swept, and garnished, filled with religious ritual. Filled with religious ritual. You see, rituals are things we repeat constantly in order to bear the Holy Spirit from showing up. Now, a good preacher, a good pastor, a good leader will have to make sure that he will interrupt the order now and then. Listen, the people are responding. They want the Word. They want to be talked they want to be touched. But is the pastor, the leader, the, 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 the one that is listening to me right now, wherever you may be in America, or overseas, in China, Korea, whatever country you're listening to me this morning, it's your responsibility to realize when God is coming by the power of the Holy Spirit upon a congregation and interrupt the liturgy. Because if you don't interrupt the liturgy, you are closing the door right on the face of Jesus. Okay. So Jesus is explaining how an unclean spirit operates. Now that's that, that's really something. You know, I mean, you just talked about uh, the Queen of Sheba, and you talked about uh, uh, Solomon's wisdom. She came to get it. You're talking about the sign of Jonah in Nineveh, and how thousands of people will rise in judgment against. This evil generation that's listening to Jesus, uh, scribes and Pharisees. And so he says this, An unclean spirit, when he's coming out of a man. Now, the Lord is simply saying, when they come in, they take over. When the unclean spirit come out, so they come out. The, the clean spirit come. In other words, he's dictating that the Spirit can come out, will come out, needs to come out, and is going to come out. So, so he sees resistance, unbelief, as... <laughs> Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. In other words, the Lord is saying, you have authority to kick that Spirit out of that person in the name of Jesus. When he comes out, now, he's describing the route, the way the Spirit actually moves. He says, when he comes out, he walks through dry places, seeking rest, finds none. So the authority of Jesus over an unclean spirit rattles the unclean spirit to no end. It becomes all convolutions and all out of proportion, schizophrenic to say the least. And he just, and, and, and he says then, and the evil spirit says, I will return into my house from thence I came out. And when he's come out, he finds it swept, empty, meaning filled with religious rituals. Empty of the Spirit of God, swept, mean clean of the things of God, 
meaning there's nothing of God left in it. Why is that the case? Because when, when, when a demanding, authoritative, unclean spirit leaves a person, it takes faith with it. It takes hope with it. It takes love with it. It takes godly things with it. And you have to know that after you have been in authority against an unclean spirit, you need to move and garnish it with the presence of God. There's more authority, there's more power in when a spirit leaves and work to do than what actually comes out. The ministry to the unclean, to a person after the demons leave has to be greater than when he left. Listen to me. I've been doing this for 50 years. I've seen people singing songs over a woman, praying, anointed with all, throwing water in her face, seeking, asking the Lord to come, His angels to minister to this woman. Oh my gosh, I've seen that so much. And the people in Brazil know exactly what to do. They know that when somebody's set free, they move in. And they love that. Oh my God, I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it. Then he goes and takes with himself, meaning when you don't establish the person and lift the person up, he, the, the devil says he takes him himself seven other spirits more wicked than the one that came. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worth in the first, even so shall it be unto this wicked generation. Having rejected Christ, Israel was now far worse than, he, than, than she was before he came. It is the same with the modern church which hears the message of the cross and then rejects it. And so I, I, I just... Is this related? Is this attached to the Pharisees' conversation on verse, uh, on verse uh, 36 to 42? Yes. Yes. Now, at this point on verse uh, to 40, 43, all the way to verse 45... He's speaking to the, to the disciples. He's talking to the disciples and saying, when, when someone's supposed to accept Christ and they reject, the authority of demons is given to Satan to come in in large numbers and make the worst case than previously. Do you hear me? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Am I getting across here? In other words, when you reject Christ and reject the Holy Spirit... You are in worse case than when you were before you started the meeting. That is why we, we pastors, at this particular moment of conversation, or this particular moment of the preaching of the Word, this particular moment, bring the congregation, bring the people of God into a moment that they have to believe and take authority and forgive and ask God for forgive, to forgive their sins and recognize the presence of Jesus. You don't have to fall on the floor. You don't have to hang from the chandeliers. You don't have to run all over the church. You don't have to just disturb the congregation. But you have to recognize that you are in the presence of the Holy God. And He will require of you to say yes or no. If you say no, then your state is worse than when Jesus started the conversation with your Pharisaic spirits. Okay. I got two minutes and 38 seconds. And I have two verses to cover. I have one verse to cover. It's verse 45. 
Verse, verse 45 for me is really important. And I've read several times throughout my lifetime. Because it says, when the evil spirit, when he goes and takes with him several other spirits more wicked than the first, they enter and dwell there. So those who rejected Christ have dwelling spirits in them. And they're there because you gave them responsibility in a space. So don't mess with me. Don't bother me. When things get rough in life and you try to reject Christ, you try to reject the Holy Spirit, you know, I've been called charismatic. That's an affront. Charisma is grace. Mate is movement. The movement of grace within you. That, but it's, they call me charismatic to entice me, to, to bother me, to, to accuse me, to belittle me in a, in a defined and negative manner. I'm no charismatic. I just made peace with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I hate demons. If that offends you, be offended. And so verse 45, it's an interesting verse. Listen, I asked in the beginning of this ministry today, uh, uh, do you confront evil? I'm just saying that sometimes you have to. You just can't back up and just act like nothing, nothing happened. If you have rejected the Holy Spirit in your life, you are in worse shape than anybody else. So don't even, don't even bother to come to church. You only disturb the place. In the last state of that man is worse than the first, even so shall it be unto this wicked generation. Having rejected Christ, Israel now is in far and worse place than she was before. That God bless you today. I hope that I was able to get to you and speak to you this morning. And I'm not going to take a single thing back. Don't even consider. I will not do it the way you want me to do it. I do it, and I did it the way the Lord told me to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey!